PM board. Bombs. And I am happy to say welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast where we help you study for boards, but in reality, we help you study for hashtag EM life. One rapid podcast at a time. I am Blake Briggs. Hopefully you know me by now on this podcast if you are a long-term listener. I am not joined today by Dr. Hussein. We'll talk about that in a second. Got a good explanation for his absence this time, like always. For each 15-20 minute episode, you gain high-yield board knowledge, as we like to say. Come for the stems, stay for the content, but as Dr. Hussein likes to say, we are a blue-collar podcast, so we give you what you need to know, nothing more, nothing less. That is what our style is. Plus, you'll come away with a smile on your face for all the lame jokes we talk about. Anyway, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at EMBoardBombs. So Dr. Hussein will not be joining us today. He is actually getting into beekeeping and is currently in the market for the right queen for his hive. He told me that he's going to start bee bomb honey, which kind of flows well, but it takes a second to connect. Bee, or I guess bumblebee bomb honey. <laughs> that's a mouthful. But I worry that this is just too close to board bomb branding, and that's going to be a, a problem for marketing. He assures me that this won't occupy too much of his time, but after hearing all the beekeeping enthusiasts and what they do and what that involves, I highly doubt that. I think many of you listening know beekeepers. Maybe you are one yourself, and you know it is an involved process, at least from what I've heard. That's what people love to talk about nowadays when you go over to their house. Anyway, we got an 18-year-old male presenting to the ED with neck pain. He states it developed gradually in the upper neck area near his left ear for the past week. About a week ago, he had a sore throat and fever as well. This has since improved when he went to the urgent care and got the usual treatment of Decadron and Toradol intramuscular shot followed by a five-day prescription for azithromycin because, hey, you know, why not? (laughs) He still endorses chills, a worsening cough, and now has pain with movement of his neck. He is moist to touch in triage. He otherwise has no medical history. He is febrile in triage and tachycardic in the 110s. Neurological exam is normal, and the left side of his neck is tender to touch near his cervical lymph node and the left angle of the mandible. So what is the best next step here? Choice A, lumbar puncture. Choice B, piperacillin tazobactam. Choice C, CT neck with IV contrast. Choice D, rapid strep test. Correct answer here is going to be choice B, piperacillin tazobactam. A lot of good choices here. This is actually a little bit of a tricky question. All right, so we're talking about something that's a little uncommon here, but should get more attention. But before we get into that, let's get into the rapid bombs. And that's our premium podcast we just have to talk about. We have to brag about it because it's the only question bank podcast in the world, in all of medicine. And it happens to be just for emergency medicine. Don't waste your time studying just for the boards. Do both at the same time. And we prepare you for boards and clinical practice. If you like our podcast right now, picture it even more streamlined. Picture two to four minute episodes where we drop high yield bombs in a question answer format and it gets seared into your memory. The key here is that we give you coaching skills. We tell you how the test is going to ask the question. We tell you what to not memorize. We tell you what to memorize and we tell you to really simplify your study plan and you get this drip learning meaning that you get just four minutes a day or so of these episodes and it makes it easy to study and learn what you need to know for hashtag EMLife and for the boards. 
All right, so we're talking about Lamiere's syndrome here, which is septic thrombophlebitis of the internal jugular vein. Scary stuff. Some French guy found it. <laughs> Just kidding. Gotta give credit where credit is due. Andre Lamiere, who was a French bacteriologist, and he studied in Paris in the you know, 1900s around there. The fascinating thing is that he described Lamiere syndrome without any imaging. He just saw several cases of this, which isn't surprising. This is before antibiotics. So you can imagine that he saw quite a bit of sepsis. <laughs> imagine the sepsis alerts back then. You couldn't do the, at least he wouldn't get penalized on the three hour antibiotic rule because there were no antibiotics to give. So anyway, so we thank him for this diagnosis name and what we're looking out for here. Rare complication nowadays, but something we just have to know about. So Lamiere syndrome is, it's a condition that typically begins with an oropharyngeal infection, and it frequently involves inflammation of the wall of the vein of the internal jugular vein and an infected thrombus within the lumen of that vein. And then there's some surrounding soft tissue inflammation, persistent bacteremia, and of course, septic emboli, scary stuff. The primary infection in the throat is followed by local invasion to the pharyngeal space and it moves to the internal jugular vein causing septic thrombophlebitis. And this interval is like one to three weeks. So it's not like immediate that they come in with sore throat and you're like, oh gosh, they could have Lamiere syndrome. It's the afterthought here, what we have to worry about here. And the number one bug that causes this is a bug that definitely was born to do this based on its name, Fusobacterium necroforum. <laughs> necro anything with necro in the name should really just you know get your mind going up okay that needs to be taken seriously <laughs> let's not dismiss this one <laughs> so it's unknown how fusobacterium necroforum causes septic thrombophlebitis not enough cases of this hasn't been enough invasive studying here about how this happens even scarier right the presentation is going to be pharyngitis plus some other antecedent condition, anything H-E-E-N-T related with pharyngitis. And what happens is, is the patient can have fevers or rigors, and that's really classic here. The patients almost always are going to have some type of fever or rigors. They're going to have an exudative tonsillitis, but this may not be present right away, right? If they came in a week after their sore throat is resolving, the sore throat can be resolving by the time the infection has moved into the neck area. They could also have, of course, you know, sore throat still, dysphagia, trismus, unilateral neck pain and tenderness, and then rarely respiratory symptoms. Why is that? Well, septic emboli. <laughs> Unfortunately, these patients can get septic pulmonary emboli, which includes dyspnea, pleurisy, you know, hemoptysis, scary stuff here if they have respiratory symptoms. I would say that actually helps your case more because it makes the, you know, presentation more dramatic and it makes you think more about, oh, shoot, I got to take this seriously. It's not just a sore throat. This is a patient with actually a pretty serious complaint. Speaking of that, physical exam findings, what are you going to see? Well, you're typically going to see some type of neck finding. I say that, but only 50% of patients in a case study of 100 cases of Lamiere's, only 50% of patients had no significant neck findings on presentation. So as usual, the physical exam is specific, but it's just not sensitive enough. So you could find tenderness, swelling, induration of the neck, the angle of the jaw, sternocleidomastoid muscle, that area, the lateral side of the neck. And the neck swelling is often mistaken for lymphadenitis, cervical lymph node swelling, rather than an internal jugular vein thrombosis. Oh, okay. <laughs> Common mistake. <laughs> so you have to do careful examination of the neck here. However, a thrombosed internal jugular vein is rarely palpable, and the local signs can be absent, like we said. 50% of patients 
had no significant neck findings on presentation in one review of 100 cases. So just keep that in mind. This isn't a slam dunk thing. When you look at the neck and say, hey, they're complaining neck pain, neck looks fine, you know, get out of here. Go home with amoxicillin or something or whatever. Get a bicillin shot. <laughs> anyway, all that doesn't really matter. They could still have problems. So what are the complications of this besides the pulmonary amplifier we already mentioned? Well, they can have, you know, hematogenous spread to other sites with or without septic shock. We already talked about the lung findings of septic emboli. We talked about large joints that can get seeded as well. What's the timeline for that? Well, we don't really know. Could be weeks, could be days. Unsure. The bottom line here, Lemierre syndrome should be suspected in young adults with recent pharyngitis who present with fever, tender or swollen neck, and or pulmonary symptoms. This is actually why we treat pharyngitis. Forget the rheumatic fever. If you're a med student, I know you've been asking about rheumatic fever on this podcast. Like, when are you going to see it? The answer is never. <laughs> Probably never. And the answer here is you're going to see Lemierre's before rheumatic fever. This is the scary thing that we don't want to miss when we're thinking pharyngitis. And the scarier thing is that the strep test is going to be negative. Let me just say something to keep you up at night. Don't worry. The patient you had with neck pain you sent home the other day didn't have it <laughs> with the negative strep screen. Red flags here. Rigors, like we talked about. Sore throat that's not improving. Neck swelling and pain. This is something that's been coined the endocarditis of the neck. Not sure who said that. Not sure if I'm making that up right now. I had it written on a PowerPoint I gave about this condition last year. Not sure if I just invented that phrase. If I did, please cite me. If I didn't, don't commit me for plagiarism. <laughs> so endocarditis of the neck. Again, red flags here. Rigors. Sore throat that's not improving. Neck swelling and or pain. Scary stuff. What's the diagnosis? Well, specimens for culture. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, you're going to get a throat culture. Whatever. Not going to be available for you. Not going to be helpful here. Sometimes throat cultures are done really badly, especially if the patient is not tolerating that culture swab. What about ultrasound? Oh, unfortunately, it's not that helpful. Less useful, less sensitive, not designed here at your hospital probably to do a good protocol, especially in the deep areas of the mandible and clavicle. So what's going to be the test? Well, CT with IV contrast of the neck and or chest if they have pulmonary symptoms, right? Because you want to look for those septic pulmonary emboli. What about LP? Not helpful here. The question some I gave you with that neck pain, it was lateral neck pain after a sore throat. You should have caught on that he had scary symptoms of pharyngitis, red flags. Young guy, treated at urgent care. Granted, he didn't get the standard treatment for strep throat, but whatever. He got some azithromycin, toradol, decadron. It's been a week, and his sore throat's been about the same, gotten slightly better, but now he has worsening cough and chills, and he's diaphoretic and triage. I said moist to touch, and he's tachycardic. I really sold this big time that something is off here. This isn't just a guy who's coming in with viral symptoms, and it's been over a week. That's odd. His neurological exam is normal. Again, emphasizing the LP is not needed here. He has no nuchal rigidity that's described on exam. All the pain is focused on the lateral side of the exam, so we need to focus on Lamier's syndrome. That's a classic stem for Lamier's. Why is CT the wrong answer? Because this patient has sepsis. This patient is meeting SERS criteria, and on the boards, they want you to give antibiotics first before you do the CT. It's still clinical diagnosis. CT is really helpful. They definitely could suggest findings, inflammatory signs around the internal jugular vein, but it's not a complete slam dunk here. So you still need to go off the clinical diagnosis and your concern of a deeper space infection. And of course, the rapid strep test, I already talked about choice D was wrong because rapid strep test does not diagnose the cause of this condition, which is fusobacterium. So fuso is a gram-negative anaerobe, and it's a common inhabitant of the mouth and throat. Dentists hate this bug too. It's responsible for 10% of sore throats, 20% of peritonsillar abscesses, 
And in that same review we talked about earlier of the about 100 cases or so of Lemire syndrome, it was isolated from blood cultures 82% of cases. My God, <laughs> aggressive bacteria here. So do not use ampicillin sulbactam or unison, what it's called in the United States, due to high resistance rates. You want to avoid that. So stick with zosin, which is piperacillin tazobactam, or you can do ceftriaxone and flagyl metronidazole. No need for vancomycin here. Not going to help us here. What about anticoagulation? Thrombus in the internal jugular vein, right? Not needed here. The data is limited, but no one is suggesting from major society groups that you have to give anticoagulation, so don't worry about that. Surgical procedures. Well, they're performed in about half of these patients. One case report series showed out of 337 patients, 53% of patients needed some type of abscess drainage and other complicated surgeries. I'm not even going to list things that I have never even heard of. <laughs> the key for you to remember is IV antibiotics and admit to the hospital. ENT or oral maxillary facial will be consulted for these patients and probably infectious disease as well for good coverage and following up of the cultures. All right, let's summarize here. So. Lemier syndrome, rare condition, French stuff. <laughs> Just kidding, it affects a lot of people. And it's been around for a long time, but it's caused not by strep throat, but fusobacterium. So we have to think about this in patients that are young, coming in with an really unresolved sore throat and scary symptoms. They may be febrile. They likely will have rigors. They likely will have some type of sore throat or unilateral neck pain or symptoms. And remember the antibiotic coverage, we're gonna do Zosin or ceftriaxone and metronidazole. You don't need to do vancomycin here and azithromycin is not good, not going to do anything actually. And that's really about it. I was really torn on this episode to talk about Lamier syndrome versus Africanized bee stings. I was looking up and I got into a large, deep rabbit hole on the most common cause of animal deaths in the United States. And it's very conflicting. It feels a lot here. I'll totally try to stump them on this. But technically, if you ask the random person, hey, what's the most common cause of animal deaths in the United States? Technically, the number one cause is actually deer. And you're thinking, whoa, that's kind of crazy, right, deer? The reason is it's, it's very, it's kind of like one of those roll your eyes moment. It's because of motor vehicle crashes, <laughs> which is kind of lame. It's not like the animal caused it. I guess it did, but it's not like you were, you know, trampled on by deer, gored by one of their antlers. The reason was you, the deer ran onto the road and hit your car and you got in a car wreck. So there's that. Number two actually is misleading too. Number two is wasps and bees, which isn't really also causing death. It's more so that you have an anaphylactic reaction to it. You know, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those like kind of annoying trivia questions that you go to, you know, tavern trivia or restaurant trivia or wherever trivia you go to. So that's that. Let's wrap things up here. Thanks for joining us. Remember to check out Rapid Bombs. Hopefully Iltavad Hussein is back next time. Watch out for Africanized honeybees. They are spreading up from Brazil. And uh, there's really, you know, their hives have been discovered in Texas. So if you live in Texas, our thoughts and prayers are with you. I know they're moving up through uh, Texas into the southeast, too. So please be very careful. Watch out for Africanized bees. And uh, that's really about it. And watch out for Lamy Ear Syndrome, too. And as they say in France, I do. Goodbye in my butchered French accent.